Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Julie, do you remember last week when I was talking about, you and I were talking about on the podcast, the number of expireds that are popping up in all the markets around the country? Yes, tons of them. Far more than most agents realize. Well, that's what happened. A lot of you were uh, smart and you took initiative and you went to your MLSs and you searched to see how many expired listings you had in your marketplaces. Um, And in some cases, it was hundreds. I had someone from LA report it was like 3,000 or something. So an expired listing, in case you don't know, Real Estate 101 Mm -hmm. is when essentially the first listing agent or the previous listing agent failed to sell the house. Um, You know, maybe it's over 90 days, maybe it's over 180 days, whatever the listing term is, the contract is up. That means that is a viable potential seller for you. And a lot of you were thinking, well, it's a hot seller's market, everything sells itself or just all these, you know, pockets of misinformation will go to your MLSs, search to see how many expireds there are, and you too will be shocked about the number of expireds. Now, I'll give you a little um, you know, framework to do your searching by. Don't limit your search. To get a real, you know, I think, correct perspective of the number of expireds, search your entire MLS, not just your little micro market. Search the entire MLS and you can probably remove commercial and maybe, you know, land, think, maybe. Yeah, just leave in residential. It's up to you, really. But go and search and look to see how many expires happened in the last six months um, or even 12 months. And what we're going to see typically, and it makes sense, are there are a lot of agents that did not ha- know how to price their houses correctly or, you know, position them on the market correctly or, you know, set the seller's expectations correctly. And as a result of that, when the listings didn't sell themselves overnight, as the, the you know agents maybe had been accustomed to experiencing, um, and they didn't know how to work with that seller in that situation, they lost the listing. And so what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of markets where the listing agents or, you know, where agents, certain agents have been dominant with their, uh, with listings, that's going to start shifting to the agents that have more skill. Just because somebody's got a lot of experience listing homes, Listing homes in the previous market is not going to be the same as listing homes in a new market where, you know, essentially where the buyer's expectations are changing, where interest rates are, you know, all the things, right? So that's a cautionary tale to all of you who are current listing agents. And that is the theme of the podcast for the next three days. Yes, that's right. And I like what you said about how do you find expireds? And we're going to jump into our uh, uh, series right now in a second. But start broad. A lot of agents will just search their favorite zip code and then they'll convince themselves there's nothing to really pursue. So start broad back in time and your entire MLS. See what's out there. I like searching broad for a second reason because that'll show you are there certain zip codes or MLS codes that have more expireds, which maybe you wouldn't have normally considered. Some that, you know, maybe are 20 minutes out of your normal stomping ground. And then you can squeeze it down into a more bite-sized piece And what I have my coaching clients do is they always have a favorite 10 or 15 expireds that they put through a filter, you know, areas, areas uh, where they're saying, you know, that's a listing that I'm going to go after. That looks good. It's got a good profile. looks like maybe it's just uh, has terrible pictures or it didn't have a description or it's a little bit overpriced. I know, for example, uh, Federico Salvatore in L.A., your example, where there is uh, there are a lot of expireds to go after. He's pursuing one that's expired not once but twice and knows that that seller now is finding more motivation. So things can change. And remember, we did do a podcast all about why things expire. 
so that you guys can have more color to this. We're giving you guys this information before Julie gets to her first point, because what we're helping to do is cleanse your minds of the idea that <laughs> why would I want the listing if the previous agent didn't sell it? Or in the case she just gave you or the previous two agents didn't sell it because things change. I mean, the seller's motivation changes, the market changes, the market conditions change. Maybe at the time the house was on for, on the market previously, it was competing against a new uh, construction uh, subdivision. Now that it's completely sold out, the resales exactly. are going to start catching up again. So you really don't know. So here's the bottom line. Every single expired in your over in the market you can reasonably service, uh, you should be going after every single expired. And here's the just I want you to let this rattle around in your brain. In a market in a world where it's become so normal for agents to pay upwards to 40 to 50% yep. referral fees, right? Where you're going to voluntarily, and a lot of times it's for a buyer referral fee, you're going to voluntarily give up half of your income because you didn't, you know, frankly know how to generate your own buyer lead. Well, here's a real big, I think, aha for all of you and listing agents, you know what I'm about to say is true. When you have one listing lead, or rather when you have one active listing, you're going to generate, especially in the market that this market's becoming, you're going to generate so many buyer leads, you're going to be able to start selling your own buyer leads to other agents. I well, mean, you could, and that does happen. You can refer the ones that maybe aren't in your wheelhouse. And remember too, when you're generating buyer leads, you're also generating seller leads when you do it in the right price range. Well, it's because a lot of the buyers that are calling about 123 Elm Street, you know, that's listed for 900 or moving up to the neighborhood that's, you know, adjacent where the average sale price is 600 and they have to sell their house to move up to the next one. You guys get it? Mm -hmm. So really it all starts. The real leverage in real estate has always been with listings. So keep that in mind. And if you're looking for an excuse to really attack the market right now and become a listing agent and you want to break free of sort of the, I don't know, a lot of cases, the horribleness is that's become the buyer side of the transaction mm -hmm. yeah. um, just because the buying of the buyer leads and all the commissions, you know, all this stuff, all the thing, all the things should be motivating all of you to become listing agents. This is one of the best times to become a listing agent, certainly in the last five years because the market is shifting because there's such a huge skills deficit. So keep all these things in mind when you're deciding where to put your best activities, because it's always going to, uh, benefit you the most to focus on being a listing agent. Very well put. Thank you for that. So we are doing part one today of a three-part series called Revive Your Listings, Sell Stale Listings Before They Expire on You and You Get Fired and or same technique. So for example, whether you just relisted another agent's expired listing or you're fearful that you're about to have a listing expire on you, the process of resuscitating a stale listing is the same. And that's what we're drilling down on for this three-part series. Starting with part one, we're gonna talk about figuring out exactly what happened. So part one is analyze and evaluate the situation. Number one, perform a new comparative market analysis, a new CMA. A lot can change since the listing was fresh. Check for the following and factor all of your findings into an accurate price for today, an updated accurate price. So first thing is, which homes that you used to be competing against are now sold or pending? And why did those sell versus your listing or maybe the listing you're taking over and expired on somebody else? But Julie, it's really important that we emphasize the fact that you do not go into working with expired or sellers in general thinking that price is like with expired, the price is the reason it didn't sell. It, it's not. And it's, you know, price, condition, location. Those are the three things, the mm -hmm. three real variables that sell real estate. But you also have the other one when it comes to expireds. And it really does have to do with the amount of, you know, seller's cooperation. 
So if you, in Julie's example, or the first one where you're trying to look at the, what the actual home was competing against at the time it was for sale, well, that makes sense, right? You're doing a CMA. What that doesn't reflect is the fact that the seller was only allowing showings for 15 minutes every third Saturday on, you know, it's <laughs> a full moon. The sun's shining, right? Exactly. Yeah. Why? Because the seller had a new construction home that was, you know, going to close in like a year or whatever. Um, and they weren't in that particular hurry to make themselves have to, you know, be homeless or move twice. So you just don't know. And again, Try to cleanse from your mind that because something expired, it's somehow some sort of like, you know, less than inventory. That's absolutely not true. And I'll give you guys a little advanced coaching here. You will find oftentimes, and you will find this to be shocking and maybe a little mesmerizing because I remember when it happened with Julie and I, you'll go out and list an expired. Maybe it's an expired that, you know, it's been listed and not sold for two or three times. Everyone is, every single agent in your marketplace, you know, laughs at the house when they drive past it because that seller can't even sell it. Whatever. You know, it's got, it, it's got a, a taint about it, let's say. It's a black sheep of inventory. Except there are always going to be one or two houses like that. Yep. Agents make up stories. You know, it's haunted or, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> All right, you're going to go list that house. You're going to, you know, you're going to do a little bit of preparation to the house, probably not much, clean up some landscaping. Let's even make it worse. It's vacant, right? So you're going to clean it up. You're going to fix up the landscaping. You're going to change the descriptions. You're going to put in new pictures. Now, when you, the day you hit enter into the MLS to make it a new listing, it just happens that there's somebody who just decided they want to move to that neighborhood and they see that listing for the first time with your new pictures, your new description. And it's for them, it's a brand new listing. They've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. So you've got to remember that what happens is there's new buyers that are entering the market all the time. And just because something's expired for the agent for the buyers that passed on it and bought something else doesn't mean it's going to be it's new inventory for all the new buyers. So what's going to happen is you're going to list a house, you're going to do everything we just said, and Julie's going to give you a lot of drill down, um, and then it's going to sell like in two days. And here it is. All these previous listing agents weren't able to sell it, and you sold it in two days. What do you think that's going to do for your reputation? Oh, AKA your brand in the marketplace. With your sold sign after it, you know, two or three signs went up and went down, and now you're the one that has the sold sign. How many sellers in that neighborhood are going to be looking at you as being the person that can, you know, part the Red Sea, right? <laughs> Basically, that is how it works. It's amazing. If you guys watch your daily hot sheets of your MLS, you will start to notice some trends. For example, what you were talking about. You'll see that oftentimes a home will expire after, you know, it could be 180 days on the market. Then a new list, a new agent takes it over, spruces up the pictures, changes the description. And because a new batch of buyers is now in the market, it'll sell, like you said, almost instantly. The days on the market for expireds are actually less oftentimes than it took for them to actually expire. Well, again, listen to what you just said, but also remember the other secret sauce here is I know in M different MLSs it works different ways. But as soon as it has a new MLS number, as soon as the days on the market yeah. resets in the MLS, then it's a new listing and then it has a new breath of life. When Julie and I sold real estate, actually until probably maybe – 10 years ago, you could actually pull your listings out of the MLS every like 90 days mm -hmm. and re-enter them and always have them have a fresh, ML, you know, days on the market. You can't really do that anywhere there anymore. There are some MLSs I hear from coaching clients sometimes. There are some MLSs that still allow that. Uh, there are, there's really three levels. One, they don't allow it at all. It just has to age and then it gets a new number eventually. And that can be a couple of months. Another, another version of that is it has to be out for 10 days. I hear that a lot. And then it gets a new uh, refresh. 
Um, and then there are still some that haven't changed their rules, and you can just, you know, almost instantly zhuzh it up, <laughs> for lack of a better word, and get it sold. Days on the market really does matter because a lot of buyers and really agents will search by days on the market, mm -hmm. or when they're looking at their daily hot sheet for the new listings. New listings have, you guys know it, I don't have to tell you this, but a new listing is like, whoa, you know, yeah. it's the, it's the, you know, everyone wants to know about it. So if you can, if you are in a marketplace where you can essentially have your existing listings, have a you know new days in the market, maybe 30 days, 60 days, every 90 days, you absolutely should do it. And don't worry about, will the MLS data statistics, who cares? Your job is to be yeah. do the best job get for your sold. seller, get the house sold. And if that means you have to essentially use the rules to benefit your seller, to get them the highest price and get the house sold, where other houses might not be selling that same market um, you know, for whatever reason, you do it. So if you can, if the system does allow itself to be gamed, game it for the benefit of your sellers. That's right. One technique that our coaching clients have you have learned and utilized is when you get negative feedback, it needs paint, it needs a carpet change, it smells like smoke, whatever. So remedy that, help your seller remedy that. But while they are taking care of that, take it off the market for two or three weeks and then pop it back in with the refreshed pictures Get your new MLS number, your new pictures, and it's going to sell right away. By the way, I should mention the show description, or rather the show notes for today as in every day are down below. So scroll below and definitely uh, download these notes and use these for yourself. It's a great checklist for when you're taking expired listings or maybe even speaking with an expired listing. And while you're there, of course, join Premier Coaching. We're just giving you an overview. This is real estate training. This is not real estate coaching. The next natural step for those of you who are serious about your real estate practices is obviously to join Premier Coaching. And the best part is, I think all of you will agree, you can join Premier Coaching right now with absolutely no risk, 100% for free for the first 30 days. And yes, that does include a daily semi-private, daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris certified coaches. So do yourself a favor, scroll down below, look at the show notes, and then join Premier Coaching. By the way, there are other links down there. We're talking about expired listings. There's a link down there for Red X, which is our preferred vendor for helping you guys find expired listings and things like that. So open up the show notes if you're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, it doesn't matter. And, you know, follow along with us. All right. So we're talking about uh, the first thing to do when you're analyzing and evaluating the situation, whether it's about to expire on you or you're picking up someone else's expired the first part was to do a new CMA. Which homes that you were competing against are sold or pending? Why did they sell versus you? Are there any commonalities like age, floor plan, view, size, condition, or amenities? Are the pending and closed homes in the price range under your listing price? You see trends like that. Sometimes there's a hot pocket of pricing, and it might not always be lower. You'd have to do your research. But also, Julie, if the interest rates have fallen... Okay, and your the hot pocket of sale the sale price like before let's say the house was priced at three twenty five and let's say you go in the you know realistically could have sold for three twenty five maybe it's got an extra bedroom or the lot's a little larger I mean there's twenty five thousand dollars of extra value compared to the homes that did sell which were all around three hundred well the interest rates are going to have a pretty dramatic effect in especially the lower end price range to say anything less than six hundred I know that's not really lower end but just bear with me here. That's where you're going to find the lowering of the interest rates, which is happening now. Those interest, rate, interest rates being lowered will actually cause the prices to increase. So even if it expired at 325, and let's say it expired 60 days ago, the nature of the market's probably in that uh, is going to favor that seller actually getting 325 now, if not even more. That's right, and you've got to know what you're competing against so you can make some of these decisions with your sellers. So what new listings are now competing against yours that weren't there when the listing was fresh? And how does that affect your pricing? 
What are the current average days on the market? Are they going up or down or are they the same? So this part one, the first thing is you're just analyzing what in the world is going on with this listing. Part number, part two with your analyzation is to preview the competition, actually go see the competition. Now, why is that How important? does your listing compare? Now, here's, <laughs> I know this is what, I've had coaching clients do this before. Sorry for jumping okay. on you. Uh, because uh, if you don't do this when you're going after expired listings, it, look, you don't have to do it every single time you're going to go on an expired listing appointment. Hopefully you're going on so many that you're not going to have time to preview other houses, but you really do need to know what the competition is. Previewing occasionally to really know market trends is going to be a really smart move, but absolutely positively study like you've never studied before all the homes in the marketplace that have sold that are competing with that seller. Why? Because that seller is, especially if it's an expired listing or if it's your current listing and it's about to expire, I promise you, that seller has probably gone to the open houses. That seller has probably looked and, you know, essentially studied exactly what the difference between their house and all the neighbor's houses are. And all it's going to catch, all it's going to happen for you to get fired if you're a current listing agent and the seller's, you know, kind of dubious as to whether they should extend the listing with you is you not knowing what the sold comps are. Right. They will look for reasons why you're incompetent. I promise you. They could be your, it could be your mom, you know, <laughs> and, and she's going to, and you haven't sold the listing after say, you know, the listing's about to expire. She's thinking already in the back of her head that she needs to list it with Bob. I mean, I promise yeah. you she is. Well, so the mistake is allowing any of your clients, especially your listing clients, to know more about right. the houses for sale, their current competition, as well as what went pending. They can't know more about that than you. That's a big mistake. It's a good way to get fired. And we also caution all of you who are really some of our, our coaching clients, you're 99% listings. You are you know, dominant listing agents in your marketplaces. That's the direction Julie and I went when we sold real estate. All of our top coaching clients that make the most net income, that's really what their primary focus is. But here's the thing. You do get in a bubble as a, a, a listing agent if you, stop look, as, if you stop previewing houses. So we always will suggest that every single one of our top, top listing agents, don't just delegate all your buyer leads. You should always have two or three, maybe one or two, really stellar buyers that you're personally working with because that's where you're going to keep your fingers on the pulse of what's actually happening in the market. Why? Because if you're looking to see what's coming for sale and then you see it selling, that's going to be forward-looking information as to the direction the market's going. If all you're doing is looking at CMA information, you're looking at what was. So by working with buyers, you're looking at what is. And in the upper ends, you're going to see that the buyers, um, especially the really upper ends, frankly, they follow housing trends like different kinds of kitchens and fixtures and colors. Yeah, what's and all hot the, and what's not. Exactly. But at a higher level than someone that's buying just to essentially look for a place mm -hmm. you know, to call home. Uh, and you got to know this. So if you're walking into a listing and all the listings in your particular marketplace have white cabinets and white kitchens and all the other types of things, but then you're seeing it, but you're not working with buyers. So you've, you know, uh, you're, you've essentially removed yourself from the front lines of working with what the buyer's expectations are. And then you're, uh, then you're pricing these listings, not realizing that the buyers now want different cabinetry or different floor plans or different things like that because you've allowed yourself to become obsolete and you've fallen back, you know, you've fallen behind, you become complacent. So definitely focus on always having one or two really stellar, great, you know, maybe sellers that want to move up, those types of things. You know. Your own past clients repeat, you know, the your listings who are also going to buy with you. 
I think you make a good point that uh, the most powerful listing agents, you know, you can get stuck in your own bubble and not be so frosty anymore. And that's sometimes what causes something to expire. Well, we had that problem. I mean, honestly, when you and I sold real estate, we had seven buyers agents that worked with us and we just focused on sellers and we stopped working with buyers. And I remember uh, going on listing appointments where I absolutely, it didn't even take that long. It was like less than probably mm-hmm. a year. And all of a sudden I wasn't paying, I didn't know exactly what the buyer's expectations were. It can happen. And, and so I would look in the CMA and I would say, well, this one sold and you know this one didn't sell and this one didn't sell. But I was losing touch with the fact that the reason that those listings didn't sell wasn't the finishes, it's because now the buyers were looking for, they didn't care about two-story open foyers anymore, or they didn't care about this, or they wanted mm-hmm. you know different things. Well, that's right. And another version of that is a lot of you have become accustomed to just doing cost per square foot for everything. Right. You just look up the square footage and multiply it times whatever, and that's your price. Well, that's one way of getting a range, but it's not the only way. To your point, Tim, sometimes it's all about, you know, is it a certain type of floor plan that all of a sudden this is a new thing and everybody wants it? The only way you're going to know that is to preview. And one other thing that colors that is our point number three, is there new construction in the area that competes with your listing? What are the current builder incentives, rate buy-downs, landscaping or pool packages, appliance packages, et cetera? Maybe that's kicking the butt of your resale. That's very common. And most times you have to either meet or beat what the builders are doing or simply price it to reflect that you don't have a modern floor plan and you do need some repairs, but you've got to compete against that. That can be a very tough thing. And you really have to know if there is new construction. And the other thing is, you know, the builders that are offering the the special financing, if you're doing a resale and it's $400,000, you are actually competing with maybe as much as a five fifty dollars new construction if they're doing rate buy-downs and the payment's going to be the same. Which would you choose? A house that doesn't need any repairs, that smells good, and you get to choose all the colors? Or something that's maybe a little bit outdated? You know, this is something else that's hard for people to wrap their minds around um, for the most part, is neighborhoods, communities, cities, whole regions of an, uh, in an area – go, you know, they're hot or not, right? Yes. They'll become trendy or not. Mm-hmm. And so you could have had, you right now might be in a marketplace where it's just been, you know, since forever, it's been the place to move or the place to live. Generations of people have grown up there and all of a sudden the market starts to change. All of a sudden something's going on. There's a new community that's across town that's starting to attract what would have been the next generation of home buyers for whatever reason. Mostly it's the architecture, floor plans. Maybe they have more modern amenities or just whatever it is. So what you're going to see, and you see this happen all the time, uh, markets literally go cold. They'll go cold just because some other competing market is obsoleting that existing market. We've, we saw that happen when we sold real estate. Yep. We've seen that happen in tons of our coaching clients' markets. So again, you're going to have to actually monitor what the hell's going on and don't just assume what was will always be because a new construction area that's across town, that's near all the thises and the thats that everyone wants to drive to anyway, is going to absolutely hand older inventory. And oh, what are you talking about, Tim? It's always been this way. This market's always been hot, except until it's not. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. And for those of you who sell a lot of condos like uh, downtown Miami and Austin and places like that, this can also happen building to building. That's a really great example. You know, as a, as a new building goes up and they offer more amenities, they've got a doorman, they've got, I know there's a really cool building in Austin that has like dog parks on the seventh floor, just things that the older buildings don't offer. 
You compound that with the fact that the older buildings also have higher HOAs because they have more to pay for, then your pricing starts to be affected. So you've got to know all of this. And the best way, again, is to be previewing all the time. We're focusing on expireds or expiring and how to resuscitate those types of listings. But I really strongly believe in uh, previewing the competition before any listing presentation because it's a competitive advantage. If you say to that seller, you know, by the way, before we met today, I went and looked at the three homes that you're potentially competing against. I took some notes for you so we can review them with regards to your pricing. I'm curious if anybody else also previewed. It, the answer is always going to be no. It gives and, you an advantage. And the flip side to that, too, or in addition to that, is if you have a seller that's stuck in the you know, past with regards to their home's pricing, why don't you set the showings up after you've got the listing and, or maybe you've gotten the listing, but you're just still, you know, debating pricing. pricing, take them and preview the other houses and they won't be objective, but at least they'll have their eyes open to what they're actually competing against. Yes, that's right. That's why it's not just you saying so, of course you would want a better price, right? Maybe that's in the seller's mind. Go show them. All right. Point number four, our final point today, meet in person after you've done all of this research, you've previewed, you've uh, investigated new construction, all of these things. Meet in person with your seller and simply review the new market analysis. Ask what they think based on the facts. And we've made this point Say earlier. Say that again. Okay, so meet in person with them. Actually go over, ask what they think based on the facts. Before you open your mouth, ask what they think based Set on the facts. Set that up. Give them an example. Show well, them. So for example, one of the lessons that we learned was if you just present and then shut up and ask them what they thought, Sometimes they're going to actually say to you, well, it looks like we need to come down about 50 grand. Almost always. Almost always. Almost and you always. had in your mind you were going to be begging for 25 grand less. Right. So in other words, you're supposed to do the CMA, boom, 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 clouds part. You're going to do your big presentation <laughs> right. and you've got all your graphs and your charts. You're super proud of it. Give them the information. Ask what they think. And to Julie's point, almost always they're going to tell you a lower number than what you in your mind thought they were going to say. Because what happens is all of us fall in love with our listings and all yeah. of a sudden we stop seeing the problems that the listings have just because, mm -hmm. you know, we love the idea. We just love the listing. The seller's great. Everything's going to be wonderful. But you're kind of ignoring the smells or the busy road in the backyard. You're just happy to have the listing, right? Yeah, you're happy yeah. to have the listing. Yeah, you're excited, right? And then the next, because you're fantasizing about the sign in the yard and, you know, work, it's just the whole thing. Uh, you lose your objectivity and then you're going to overprice it. So it's kind of funny. It's a, an interesting fact. And when you, when you and I were teaching agents um, back during the foreclosure crisis and there was all yes. these REOs and all the rest of it, uh, and short sales in particular, we had some agents who were getting so many call outs to, do short, to list short sales that they didn't have time to go on all the appointments. And so what we taught him to do was actually do the CMA and present the CMA to the seller. And short sales were easy to list, relatively speaking, because the seller, you know. Highly motivated. Highly motivated. We don't, we don't need to yeah. talk about short sales. But uh, what we found was is that, A, the seller, you know, didn't really care whether the agent was there in person. B, actually preferred doing it all online through a CMA that was emailed to them. But most importantly, the sellers were, and the, the uh, listing agents found themselves uh, going through the educational process in real time that they indeed had been overpricing their listings even prior to the market just for the emotional reasons I mm -hmm. described for you. And by being a little bit more analytical and asking the seller what they think, opposed to telling the seller what you know the listing agent thought, the listings were being priced correctly and selling really quick. So here's the moral of the story. Price goes up when the agent shows up, right? So the price on the home that looks like when you're looking at the CMA and you say, this is what the price should be, notice how frequently you'll change the price up as soon as you get to the seller's house, right? Yeah, it happens. And, you know, sometimes you'll luck out and you'll be okay. 
But as we get more inventory, and certainly this year, all things are showing that we're going to have more and more inventory. Pricing becomes that much more important. You can't just throw a dart at the wall and the hope that the market's going to save your pricing. But sometimes, you know, especially in the lower price ranges where there's a lot more demand, sometimes you're still going to be okay. But cautionary tale, you've got to be a lot more careful. And why would you want to find out the hard way? Do all of these steps all of the time and save yourself from all of that trouble. Sellers don't like price reduction calls, right? They like you to do a good job in the first place. They like you to cover all of your bases before you even go down that price uh, path with them. And my last note on here, and we talked about this a little bit, note to self, in some cases you will find out you don't really have a price issue. Maybe there's other reasons the home hasn't sold yet. And we're going to talk about that on tomorrow's podcast. So your homework for today's podcast, if you've not yet done so, join Premier Coaching. Do that urgently. Homework assignment number two is go to your MLS and look to see how many uh, expired listings there were, Mm -hmm. expired and withdrawn, by the way, in your entire MLS in like the last six months. You'll notice that there's a lot of expireds that happen on the first day and the last day of the month. You'll notice there's a lot of expireds that happen over the holidays, things like that. So listing agents, do not have your listings expire in the first day and the last days of the month. Uh, and do not have your listings. Well, you can actually, it's from a listing agent's perspective, it's smart to set your listings to expire over holidays. Because the agents aren't working. Because the <laughs> other list agents yeah. that are going after hunting, hunting expires aren't working. So that's kind of a smart move. But don't have your listings expire in the first and the last day because there's some agents in some markets that only work expires in the first and the last day. Have your listings expire in the middle of the month. Some of you are going like, what the hell is Tim talking about? When you become a listing agent, you will understand. In the meantime, guys, thank you for keeping this number one uh, daily downloaded podcast in at least the United States for real estate professionals. We certainly appreciate all your love and support over the decades of us providing this information for you. If you've not yet done so, you're doing us a huge favor by going over to iTunes um, and giving us a five-star review and letting the world know why you like the podcast. It really does help us a lot to attract new agents who are also looking for this type of information. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.